For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love A journey of faith. Let's look at a journey of faith today. How did Noah get to Mount Ararat? We're going to look at the journey to Mount Ararat. A journey of faith. Amen. As there are many journeys of faith in the Bible. Look, open your Bible with me to Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 1. As we look at this, uh, you know, when God saw how wicked the people were in the world, God became sorry that he even created such sinful people. Now, God didn't bring sin into the world. Man did. But it repented God's heart when he saw that. Why? Because he saw they were hurting themselves. And if you see your your own personal child hurting themselves, man, that's going to hurt you, isn't it? It's because you don't want that. You love them. You care about them. So God was repentant in his heart. He was sad, I'm sure, and he was hurt and he was angry and many other emotions along with it. Um, so as we look at this today, look at Genesis chapter 6, verse number 1. We'll read through verse 9. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were they were very fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were old, men of old, men of renown. And God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was continually evil. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. It repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it goes on to say that these are the generations of Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, the Bible says. And if you only get one thing out of this whole message today, this is it. Listen to me. This is what I want you to get. Noah's greatest decision was not to build the ark. Noah's greatest decision was when he chose to walk with God. Building the ark was simply a byproduct that came out 
from him walking with God. It was the fruit of him walking with God. Because God might have destroyed everybody if he didn't find one person. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah and his family and his three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And so God looked down. If you think that one person can't make a difference, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you think one person can't make a difference for the kingdom of God, for God himself, you look at Noah. When God looked down, the whole earth was full of wickedness, the Bible says. God repented that he made man in the earth. But it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One person, one man, one wife, one family can make a huge difference for the Lord. Amen. So if you wonder what impact am I really making, who am I really reaching? Noah had no idea that thousands of years later, we'd be talking about him and how he chose to walk with God. The other thing I want you to know, two points. Greatest, Noah, Noah's greatest decision was to walk with God. And point number two I want you to remember, a corrupt heart and mind will always lead to a corrupt life. Let me say that again. A corrupt heart and a corrupt mind will lead to a corrupt life. Because sin starts in the heart and in the mind. Remember, that's where the battleground is at. It's in your mind and in the heart. Because in verse number five, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that the every what imagination of the thoughts of his heart. It doesn't even say what they were doing was evil, what happened, what so-and-so did, what this man did. No, it specifically says the imagination of the thoughts of every person's heart was continually evil, except Noah and his family. Does God care about your thoughts? Absolutely. That verse proves it right there. God cares about what you're thinking about. God cares about where your heart's at. And it takes work, ladies and gentlemen, to keep your heart right with the Lord. But you've got to make that decision like Noah did. He chose to walk with God. Will you make that decision today? Will you make an impact for the Lord today? Maybe God will build, have you build your own form of ark, whatever that may be in your life. Now, I don't mean the ark in general, but that's the principle I'm talking about. When you walk with God, it, it may be that you lay a foundation for generations to come in your own family that you trusted God, you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in Jesus, and you listen to his word, amen? That may be what God builds in your life. By the way, there's nothing bigger, bigger or better you could build than something like that. God cares about the people. He don't care about the, the big church building or the big budget or the big this or the, the 900 foot cross that, that somebody can put up. He cares about none of that. He cares about little boys, little girls, men's and women's hearts and souls and minds and their salvation. That's what Jesus came to die on the cross for to save your soul from the fires of hell. He could care less how big your building is or how big your name is. The Lord Jesus Christ cares about people. So if he cares about people, then we should too. Amen. Will everybody heed the warning? No, they will not. 
The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years while he built the ark. Yet many didn't listen. It was just him and his family on the boat. It doesn't say nobody got right and got on the boat with him. But he still was faithful to preach and warn them. Let me tell you a story about 1969 at Past Christian, Mississippi. There was a hurricane coming in, and there were some people that had a beach, a three-story beach house, and they were going to throw a party, a hurricane party. I think they were a little overconfident because even the police came out to say, hey, listen, it's getting bad. You need to leave. And they started hollering down from the balcony, we're not leaving. And then finally the owner said, you have to arrest me if you want me to leave. This is my house. He was upset, but the police didn't arrest anybody that day, but they did ask for the next of kin so they could contact them. And sure enough, when that storm came, it was one of the highest uh, hurricanes clocked on record as far as airspeed, 205 miles an hour. It says there were swells of water and waves 28 to 23 feet high. There was no, there was nothing to be found of that three-story building except the foundation. Everything was gone. When the, finally the news came around and, and they was checking for damage and everything around them got destroyed too, but they lost their life. You know, there was one survivor that survived out of that. It was a five-year-old little boy that they found clinging to a mattress the following day after the hurricane. How did that little boy live? God spared him. That's the only way God spared that little boy's life. And you wonder, why in the world could people be so foolish? Why would they ignore the obvious storm to come? Why did they disregard all the warnings when they had evidence, when somebody, this police officer, came out to warn them, hey, it's coming, it will destroy you? And they said, ah, we're too busy partying. We ain't got time for that. We don't believe that. Get out of here. You have to arrest me if you want me to leave. Can I just tell you, people in the today are not much different than the days of Noah. They're refusing. They refuse to acknowledge that judgment is coming. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says it is a point unto man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. You will stand before God whether it's at the judgment seat of Christ for the saved people, for the unsaved people, they will stand before the great white throne judgment. That is not where you want to be, ladies and gentlemen, because those will be cast into everlasting fire, the Bible says. So the reason for the journey was that the journey to Mount Ararat with Noah and his family was that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination or thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. But it grieved him at his heart. The Bible says that when God saw those people and all those wicked thoughts and his wicked imagination. That it literally grieved the heart of the Lord. It, it moved him. So between the time of creation, Adam and Eve, and the time of Noah, there was a lot of extreme wickedness that had developed on the earth. The Bible says man had become continually evil. And God was grieved at his very heart. 
so much so that he sent a worldwide flood. Do you know that even people that don't believe the Bible know that there's evidence of a flood all over the earth? There's seashells on top of mountains. I mean, there is so much evidence, it's incredible. The evidence is there, but will you believe it? The storm is coming, but will you believe it? Judgment is coming, but will you believe it? I can tell you the Bible's true through and through, and the New Testament is just as true. It tells you, flee to the wrath from the wrath to come. Where do you flee? You flee to Jesus. That's where you flee. So God, as he examined the heart of every person, no one was found righteous on the earth except Noah and his family. And it's interesting to me, it is very interesting to me, that what God chose to destroy the earth at that time. Because if you think of water, what's the first thing you think of? If a big storm's coming, what's the first thing everybody buys out? Buy out all the water. Why? Because water is life. Well, in this case, God flooded the earth. But there's something else water does. Water cleanses. Water cleans. You're going to have all the great cleaning products in the world unless you got some water there. It ain't going to do anything. So water cleans. And the Bible does talk about that in Ephesians 5.26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. He even uses water as a metaphor when he's talking about God's word. And it's talking about washing your heart and cleaning your heart. The more you read God's word, the more you apply it, the cleaner your heart gets, the cleaner your life gets, the cleaner your mind gets. Amen. That's what it refers to. Now, God will never, ever flood the earth again. He even said, I put a bow in the sky, a rainbow. Uh, that is my promise to you that I will never flood the earth again. That's what God said. He gave us that promise. But I believe that is an amazing fact that God used water. He could have used anything he wanted. He's God. But he chose to use water. And water washes things clean. And that's what he was doing. He was cleaning the earth up. He was getting rid of the, the evil and the wickedness and the continual, continual bad, evil thoughts people were having. And he was starting over with this family, Noah and his family. Verses 7 and 8 said, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody can find grace in the eyes of God nowadays through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that every Every story in the Old Testament is a picture pointing to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Noah building this ark is a perfect picture of Jesus dying on the cross. You've got to get on board in order to be saved. Amen. You've got to get on team Jesus, in other words. And I don't say that lightly when I say team Jesus. Believe me, you've got to realize you are a real rotten sinner and that even if you've never actually physically done something, listen to what the Bible says. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Even your thought life, God is going to judge. Just by that, that condemns every person that's ever lived. Amen. Because God cares about the heart. It's the ones that squeaky clean that you really got to worry about. 
because they don't think they need Jesus. They think, don't think they need God, but they're the, exactly the ones that need God. And God wants to use them. And God wants to use you. But you've got to get on board. See, that ark was a, was a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving, his saving power. Saving from what? What do people talk about? I'm saved. What are they saved from? They're saved from the penalty of their own sin, which is a place called hell. That's what it means to be saved. If you're going to get saved, you got to get saved from something, right? That's what they're being saved from. That's what you can be saved from. Because God's standard is not like our standards. God's standards is much higher. He has perfect standards. And there's no one that's perfect. See, that's why Jesus came to die on that cross. So that he can make you perfect. So that he can write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So you can be washed in the perfect blood of the Lamb of God. That he can put a perfect white robe upon you. And that when God looks at you, he actually sees Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. Amen. So that's what the picture of the ark is. A lot of corrupt hearts in those days. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And there was no sin. How do we go from no sin to a world that's so full of wickedness and evil and everybody's having horrific thoughts that God wants to destroy the earth. Well, God didn't do that. Man did. And that answers your question right there. Why does good things happen to bad people? Because we live in a rotten, sinful world. God didn't do it. We did it. Most of the suffering in the world comes from one human hurting another. And so how can we blame God even if you took God out, there'd still be suffering. Now, you can't take God out. But listen to me. God is good. But God has, allows free will. And there's something so sacred, he won't touch it. And that's your free will. He wants you to choose him. So that the holiness that allowed Adam and Eve to enjoy that, that fellowship. And Satan came into the garden disguised as a serpent. And he tempted Eve to eat of the fruit, and she disobeyed God. Then she got Adam to eat of the fruit, and he disobeyed God. And by doing so, they brought sin into the world. And by the way, Eve used her own reasoning, her own rationalizing thoughts to rationalize her disobedience. Instead of looking to God or to her husband, she made that choice. And then her husband made that choice. He didn't have to eat that fruit just because his wife gave it to him. He could have said, listen, God told us not to do that, but he didn't. He actively chose, and that's on him. He did that himself. He disobeyed God. But because of their, their sin, death came into the world, the Bible says. See, that's why death's so horrific. We were not ever originally designed to die. Never. And that's why death is so horrific. And that's why you need Jesus. So, after the population, the world began to multiply very fast after Adam and Eve, but sinful habits multiplied just as rapidly and just as fast. And that's what it's talking about. And that, and that where it says states every imagination of their hearts was evil continually. Listen to this. That word imagination in that verse, if you look up the root meaning, it means to fashion pottery. It's literally to take wickedness and make it fashionable. Man, doesn't that sound like today? Let me take sin. Let me take wickedness. Let me dress it up. Let me make it cool. Let me make it hip. Let me make it fashionable. Let me put it on a cover of a magazine. Whatever it is. Let me make it look good. Let me make it look enticing. 
it just didn't look so good. And the Bible does say there's pleasure in sin. Don't lie to yourself. Say, boy, them people are miserable. They are not miserable. They're having a good time, but they're going to pay for that good time. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin, but tis for a season. It's just for a short time. And the price you pay will be a million times worse than what that was ever worth. And you'll regret you ever did it. But is there pleasure in the midst of doing it? Absolutely. The Bible even says so. There's pleasure in sin, but you're going to pay a massive price. You'll destroy yourself, destroy your family, destroy your marriage, destroy your ministry, destroy everything that you have that is any good. And then when that's all that's over, you will cry your eyes out and regret it. Will God forgive you? He forgave David after he committed murder and adultery and had a baby with another man's wife. But David paid for it the rest of his natural born life. He sure did. So in 1,656 years, all of humanity had become corrupt before God. And God was grieved at his heart. So let me go back to my second point. A corrupt heart will always produce a corrupt life. And that's the way it was in the days of Noah. And that's the way it is today. Sin was rampant. And it had been accepted. It was even fashionable. There was no limits. There was no restraints. It was game on. Bring it on. Sound familiar? During Noah's time, uh, sin went. Sin does something like this. It goes from being repulsive to being tolerated, to being accepted. The devil is a master at that. And over time, you see it, it grosses you out, it freaks you out, and you go, oh man, and you're just totally repulsed by it. To the next thing, when you see it, you kind of put up with it, and yeah, that's just how it is. And then gradually, you just start to accept it. Well, that's just what they do. Well, and then the devil is a master at that, ladies and gentlemen. And it starts out with being repulsive. And then next thing you know, it's tolerated. The next thing you know, it's accepted. Sin is gradual. He is so deceitful that he can slide under the radar. And I'm talking about good Christian people. Don't see him. Even myself until I look back and I go, what in the world did I do? Or what did I say? Or what did I get myself into? The devil is just that Slick, And that's why the Bible says, be vigilant, be sober, for your adversary, the devil, roameth the earth, seeking who he may devour. And it all starts in your heart, in your mind, and in your imagination. Please note again that God didn't say what they were doing. He just said that their heart and their mind were continually evil. So if it's in your mind, sooner or later, you'll do it. That sin, you'll, you'll hear that call of sin. That's why you've got to keep prayed up, as some preachers say. In other words, every day asking God for forgiveness for what you've done, to stay right with Him. Now, it doesn't mean you won't mess up. You might mess up big time, but that's where grace comes in. The Bible says, a righteous man falls on his face seven times, yet he gets up again. You keep on moving forward 
for the Lord. Keep on serving Jesus. Don't you know Noah wanted to give up when he was out there preaching? They're mocking him, making fun of him, throwing stuff at him. It has never rained, and he's building this giant boat on dry land. And they probably thought, you idiot. And he even might have thought once or twice, man, this is crazy, but I'm following what God said, told me to do. Hey, it, it might be crazy what you're doing, but if you're doing what God told you to do, like when Noah was building that ark, you are right with God. You keep walking with God. That is the biggest decision you'll ever make. Like with Noah, he chose to walk with God. Choose to walk with God today. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.